Welcome to the Chapman CG podcast series, inspiring and informative conversations with top HR leaders from around the world. I'm here today with Paul Sexton, Chief Human Resources Officer at EFI, the Silicon Valley-based multinational focused on digital printing solutions and providing those solutions to a global client base. Uh, Paul uh, possesses deep international experience, having worked on three continents, Asia-Pacific, Europe, and now the U.S., with leading technology and semiconductor companies. Um, so with such a rich tapestry of experience, working with different cultures, we're looking forward to Paul sharing some insight into the value of an HR leader gaining true global exposure. Um, the opportunity at EFI offered Paul the chance to transition into his first CHRO role. Um, so we'll also be asking him um, what major changes he's seen in the delivery of his role as the global HR lead. Uh, thanks very much. Um, so I thought it would be nice, to, uh, first of all, to give us a, a broad overview of your movements around the globe. Okay, sure. So I, like uh, many Australians, I went to England because we could, and it was there where I got my first uh, HR job. Uh, it was sort of in, in the late 90s, and, you know, at that point, you know, before the bubble burst, it was a, a feeding frenzy of talent. So I, um, I was in England for four years, and then I decided probably around the two and a half to three years in, you know, it'd be good to go back to Australia. Uh, so I initiated a transfer back to Australia. It took probably around about a year, um, maybe a little bit more, for that to come come to fruition. I know, sort of, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about sort of whether I orchestrated these movements or, or not, and I'll sort of tell you as we go. That one was me calling up the Asia Pac head of HR, who I hadn't met. Uh, it was a cold call, and just saying, hey. Paul Sexton in the UK, and eventually I'd like to move back to Australia, and I wanted to sort of let you know that as the the, the regional leader, and then so that 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 came off. Then I was back in Australia, and um, probably about 18 months into sort of the uh, assignment there, um, they I was in Melbourne, and they wanted me to move to Sydney, um, and I you know as I'd mentioned in passing, literally it was just a passing comment that I'd prefer to move to Singapore, to which the reaction was positive. So that one, then I moved up to Singapore and I was there for a total of 10 years. Uh, that was you know, a really busy period. Uh, I was with a company called EMC at the time and uh, it was you know, going through a massive growth phase. It was really, really exciting. And then um, moved, changed companies to a semiconductor NXP uh, that had a global role based out of Singapore, which is not very common to, to have those, you know, sort of really global roles based there uh, at that time. So that was exciting. So I did moved moved over, and then probably about a year into it, the leadership changed. Um, and the the gentleman that I was supporting in Singapore, he took a different role, and then the new leader was based in the Netherlands in the headquarters of the company. And I saw that as a good opportunity to uh, to take the the family and uh, and move to the Netherlands, which I did for just under three years. And then there was, you know, it was always from a career aspiration perspective, you know, sort of rounding out that global experience. So I wanted to to get on the ground in the US, even though I'd had it under my belt from a responsibility perspective for, for a while. Getting on the ground, an opportunity came up and it was aligned to actually business need. You know, the, the work that I was doing, there was a lot of executives uh, in the Bay Area, that you know was sort of key stakeholders in in the success of of these uh, these initiatives, you know sort of offered to to move to the Bay Area, to you know sort of 
accelerate success in in, in those uh, initiatives. Um, so that that was you know sort of how I got to to the Bay Area, the long way around. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. So so you you I'm always intrigued by this as well. I think people listening will be. So you know how you made those moves happen. You know whether it was orchestrating them or just being on the front foot. You can share some of those kind of triggers that enabled you to to make those moves. Which sure. Would be helpful. Yeah. Well, I mentioned the the one from from the UK back to to Australia. I, I would say that yeah. you know I I triggered I triggered all of them. You know, I mean, the the Singapore one was sort of you know they, they wanted me to move somewhere so. That, you know, I sort of just focused on the direction, but I do actually, you know, put a lot of thought into sort of where I want to be, uh, and I I recommend everyone should do that, even to the point where it's like when you're not where you wouldn't move to, even knowing that, um, so right. that um, when when the the opportunity comes up to actually either plant the seed, make the statement, or respond to the question, if you haven't already thought about it. Then you sort of you, you really run the risk of missing the opportunity and not sort of setting it up in in the way that you would like. Um, so I yeah very conscious thoughts with regards to the moves, the timing you don't get to orchestrate. So you, the timing needs to be very much linked to being able to articulate the benefit to the business. And a lot of people sort of make the mistake of saying, hey, I'd love to go and do an assignment somewhere. You know, it could be Europe, it could be Asia, depending on where you are in the world. But they, you know, that statement in itself is not very helpful from a business perspective. That's just saying, yes, I'd like, I'd like to get something out of it for myself. Now, if you're able to actually sort of really look at the business and, and understand what's going on and sort of position your preferred aspirations in line with, with something, you know, addressing some of those needs, I think, you know, from my experience, it goes a lot smoother. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. So. I mean, really planning these things out. We, we do hear it quite a lot, people saying, oh, I'd, I'd be interested in international move. But like you say, it, it, it's sort of planning those things out well in advance so when the opportunity arises, you're ready, rather than just kind of thinking about it. Do you put a sort of a lot of um, focus on you know, making that known to business leaders in, and, and HR leaders internally and gaining sponsorship before you do it? Or I mean, how, how would you sort of... Um... It's it as you go, right? So by working with them, yeah. you know, so if I, if I think through the conversations I've had where, you know, those those moments where you, it's sort of that defining moment on on having a conversation around it, it's it's just being ready for when for when that topic comes up. And it could be mm-hmm. I've had some where I've initiated and I said, hey, by the way, I'd welcome the opportunity to come to be based over here. In, you know, yeah. in the Netherlands, and Netherlands was an example. It was like, you know, I, I was to, to the head of HR and to the, the sales leader. I basically made it known. Yeah, and and at that point, it made sense because the leadership location had changed. So as the, as the business partner for that business co-location, it makes sense. But it's the, the perhaps not just with the company. It's also you know with the family. I mean, if you're if you're single, it's easy. And I've done a couple of those moves, and you know you don't need to convince anyone other than yourself. And those ones are relatively easy. But as you sort of get further along in your career and you've got the family, you know, there's a lot more to take into account. And it is necessary to have the conversation within the family on really would you do it? Because the complexity goes up a lot. You know, you know, kids' school. You know, the you know, what's the spouse going to do? These are 
these determine success with regards to you know taking an international assignment or not and a lot of the time you know the 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 lack of success comes from just the the family not being able to adjust and at the end of the day i hope everyone's family wins out over over a company and you know lots of people have to turn around and, and sort of go back to to wherever they they, they were originally from you can you can avoid all that by knowing up front and if, if the family's really not going to support it in the sense of it's you know it's just and it's not positive or negative whether they support it but if they if, they, if, they, if that doesn't fit into the, the family plan right then adjust and mm. you know many people who are fantastic at what they do have have not been able to for whatever reasons take on sort of assignments that that have them move you know whether it be domestically or, or internationally and that that knowing that in itself actually is gives you a lot of clarity so that you can drive for the things that are beneficial for your career within the boundary conditions that you have so those you know so that's that's sort of the the prep work is not just being prepared to talk about it from a company or business perspective there's also the family dynamic side which is extremely important yeah, I think that's a really sage advice, Paul. It really is, um, and something that people may may sort of have as an afterthought sometimes, but but agree, it should be front and centre, right, to, to all these decisions. So, so, so looking at that, then, and looking at the international assignments you you've had, what, what would you what would you say makes for a successful international assignment? Um, so, the way that I've done it um, is that okay. I've never I've never had a return ticket. Every move that I made was a one-way move. I, was, I've, I haven't been, you know, on those fully loaded expat assignments, you know, for two years and, and all those sorts of things. And what that does, you know, did for me anyway, it makes you go all in on, on making it successful. I've seen, you know, sort of, I've seen a, a lot of people, you know, do the, the international assignment, which is like the two-year thing. Uh, many, many, many of them have been highly advantageous, both business and personal. But a number of them haven't worked as well because it's it's temporary. So people sort of don't necessarily go all in on it. And I'm not suggesting that um, you know people sh should not do an, you know an international assignment that has sort of that expat type structure to it. I think those things you know are, are good to support the actual assignment. But for me not having a a way back so there's only one way which is go forward make it successful that actually like mentally helped me a lot know that this is I'm I'm all in it's it's not just something that I need to live with for a couple of years i mean this is this is the direction forward and there's only one way to go and uh, that helped me a lot this is great Paul. so what i'm hearing a lot a lot here as well is, is is you know, managing expectations as well, you know, not only with the family, but also at work and your own expectations as well around you know, what can be realistically achieved when thinking about taking on an international move. Is there, is there any, any other piece of advice that you might give to someone who's thinking about it, who's thinking about weighing up an opportunity to move internationally with a company sure. or, or another company? Um, so do the, the work around understanding the tax implications companies that have you know equity that's that's granted as part of the total rewards and things like that that you know the tax gets complicated pretty quickly 
And, you know, even if it's not a fully blown expat assignment, sort of that tax assistance piece is, is definitely needed. But it's it's one of those things where you want to get your, your head around it early and ask questions that really sort of help me, you know, help me understand the tax implications of, of me making this move, both in the country that I'm in at the moment and the, the country that I'm going to. Do they have the same, you know, do they have... Uh, tax agreements between the two countries, you know, what do they look like and things like that. That's an area that you're going you're gonna to have to manage. Um, and reality is, you know, if you find out after the fact, it doesn't get you off the hook with regards to paying taxes in the countries. So that's one area that I'd definitely look into. The other thing is just, just try not to sort of buy too many things, you know, to, to have you settle. Uh, one of the things yeah. we did and we really actually enjoyed was you know, when you put everything in the in the container and you put it on the ship and send it over, you usually you're at least a month without stuff um, when you get to the new place, and that that is actually a nice time to sort of reflect on on you know what you actually need versus what you have. So there's sort of a, a personal uh, spring cleaning that goes on as a result of of that type of move, and you sort of you learn pretty quickly not to just bring everything with you and to do that spring cleaning as you go. I know that's not exactly a HR topic or a business topic, but it's actually a practicality that that, that goes through with uh, with uh, with that. Uh, just the just that mindset of commitment. Commit commit to doing it for a period of time, and then don't waver from that, no matter how hard it gets. Um, and the doing that will actually be very. It'll help you get through the tough times, and mm. you get the full value of the actual uh, the assignment irrespective of whether you go back or whether you keep going forward. It's the that mental commitment to, to doing this for a period of time. That's, yeah. to me, the biggest benefit of doing it. I'm sure. Thanks thanks for sharing that, Paul. I, you know, I imagine that everyone around you as well can feel that and see it uh, when you're 100% all in as well, right? And just to, just to know that you're, you're giving it your all impacts others around you. Definitely. Great. Well, you've been very successful in your moves, obviously, and uh, congratulations on your recent landing of a you know, CHRO role last year, and uh, I thought it'd be great as well, you know, having sort of moved into, the, into that role, if you could share with us a little bit about your, you know, your role at EFI and um, some advice uh, and a few key points sure. that uh, CHROs, CHROs might be mindful of when stepping into that number one role for the first time. I've been in EFI for 10 months now. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic, this company, you know, did my due diligence in advance, and you know, lots of lots of interviews and research, and I felt like you know I was it was making a pretty good move um, by coming here. I was delighted when when I was selected. It was not a a simple sort of few conversation process. Uh, there was lots of interviews, and I'm I'm sure that the the team could have gone in in many different ways with candidates. So I was delighted to to be selected. The company's actually even better than I thought it was with all the due diligence. There's uh, so much great, great work being done. Very, very committed HR team around the world. Probably underinvested a little bit in, in sort of you know, resourcing HR from a systems and process perspective. So we got so that's good because we've got good things that we can do to make the the team's life better. Coming into my first you know head of HR job, you know I, I can't say that I can give advice. I'm at the I'm still at the at the learning phase, I'll sort of share some of the, the observations that I've picked up, some of it from my own mistakes, uh, others pretty obvious. But 
be be prepared for the complexity. Uh, everything, you know, if you think about the the roles that you do, whether it's in the COE or it's uh, a business partner, you know, the global part of you know the the roles that stays the same, but the the complexity and the the need for you to actually be more informed and on all HR disciplines, it goes up really quickly because you're getting getting dragged into a lot of things that are, that are happening on a daily basis that require good but also consistent decision-making. Um, and if you haven't had been in the company or been in the top job for long, then you're, you're having to create that consistency as you go. It's a lot of extra work to make sure that you're making, thinking through all the decisions, not just coming at it from, you know, whatever the, the, the angle or the lens that you were looking through previously. Once, once you're sort of in, in the, the top job, you actually have to look through all the lenses really quickly to make sure you're, you're not inadvertently creating you know, other problems while addressing um, a, a particular matter. And that's, that, that, that was something that I sort of intellectually understood, but there's nothing like when it hits you all at once. You know, it's, it's a bit of an adrenaline shot uh, doing just trying to keep up with the volume of of work that you need to do. And that's in addition to, you know, coming up with your own you know, strategy and, and sort of driving the agenda uh, for the, the HR function and, you know, those people priorities. The other thing I'd say is the communication piece, and this is where I probably think I, I've got a lot to a lot to improve on. And actually, you've, you sort of don't realise at, at the very, very beginning there's a team around the world that's committed to the success of the HR function. And, you know, what you've got to do uh, is give them the information so that they can sort of make decisions that are consistent and aligned with the, with the direction that you want to go, but not in a micromanaging way. It's a sort of a give them information so they are empowered to make the right decisions. That, that's, that's all good advice. I can't tell you how many business leaders I've given it to and everything like that. But when you have a larger team, and I've got about 55 people around the world now, you, you, you sort of have to put a lot more effort in than, than what I've been able to do so far. Put a lot of, you know, put the effort in to, to get to get everyone lined up. I think it's 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 a really important thing, especially sort of in the early phases. I, being new to the job, didn't. I don't think I knew enough to actually feel personally comfortable to communicate as much as what's necessary. So that's like that new CHRO dilemma of you haven't fully grown into the job yet to be fully comfortable with, with, uh, with everything that you're, you're doing. Um, you're trying to do everything and trying to get your arms around it. And the communication piece is an area that, that suffers as a result of that. Uh, and that's, that's something to be mindful of, something that I'm definitely going to be addressing as I sort of move forward. Uh, but that's, a, that's an area to, to really hone in on and make sure that you're, you're giving your HR community around the world the access, the information that they need in order to, to represent the function on the ground. Uh, and the other thing I'd say is travel. There's no, you can't, you, can't do, you can't do the job from one location. You've got to get around to where the employee populations are. You've got to spend time with the HR teams getting to know them. There's no, there's no shortcut on that one. And sort of, it's really on you 
to make it happen, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's um, wonderful. And I mean, I can't thank you enough for, for taking the time out. I know you're an exceptionally busy job, of course, as well. So to take the time out to, to share those insights will be extremely valuable uh, for people stepping into that role. And, you know, beforehand as well, the, the international moves, I mean, um, yeah, kudos to yourself for making all this happen and you're really enabling yourself to, to step into that one role and, and be where you are. And I think if, if the message is for everybody out there, you know, um, follow, follow follow through with your actions and, um, you know, manage expectations and, you know, really, really go for it if that's what you want and make sure yeah. that, uh, that everyone's fully fully on board as well, that you can make your dreams happen. So, look, I, I appreciate you guys asking me the you know these questions i'm a i'm a massive fan of the chapman consulting group i think uh, you guys do a fantastic job so if i can ever help in any way please let me know well thank you thank you very much very kind of you and thanks again for taking the time out today we really do appreciate it um so I'm paul sexton chief human resources officer of vfi um kindly sharing with us um his views on um international moves and um, what to think about and uh transitioning into uh, a CHRO role for the first time. Thank you very much, Paul. Appreciate it. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, mate. For more excellent conversations from Chapman CG, subscribe to our podcast series or check us out at chapmancg.com.